Hey guys, this is Naeem and you've reached the Mosaic Church Podcast. So excited that you're part of our listening community and I'd love for you to be even more connected. So check out our website. There's more content there and there's more opportunities for you to get connected in our ministries and events as well. Also, love for you to share this content. If this is blessed to you, I know that God wants to use you to bless other people with it. So share this podcast, if you will. Lastly, would you consider supporting this ministry? This is made possible by other people's generosity, and I'd love for you to pay it forward. Join us to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus together. So would you consider giving to this ministry? I know that God is able to do immeasurably more through us when we come together. Thank you so much. God bless you. Enjoy. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Good? Awesome. Great. Okay, okay, okay. Simmer down. Uh, it's great to be here with you guys live stream. It was great to be in the chat with you as well. Hey, let me ask you a quick question really quick. You ready for Thanksgiving? It's happening. It's happening. You're looking forward to it? Looking forward to it? You have a favorite food? Anybody have a favorite dish? You do? Okay, turn to your neighbor if you can. Tell them what it is. Tell them what it is. Tell them what it is. What is it? What's your favorite? Okay. You got something favorite? Okay. Give me some shout outs. Give me in the chat. What do you got favorites? Cookie? Mac and cheese is a thing? Is it a serious thing? Okay. Okay. And what else? Mashed potatoes. Stuffing of some kind. Okay, okay. What about butter chicken? See, butter chicken is what we're going to be eating on my Thanksgiving. And if you don't know what butter chicken is, you don't know Jesus. You don't know him. Huh? Did you say wine? Wine. He's looking forward to wine. Friends, that's awesome. Because last week, I actually talked about turning water into wine. That's awesome. I'm not going to check what's in your flask right there. But hey, it's good to be at church. Awesome, this morning. Well, hey, uh, really quick, I want to just say uh, thank you for those of you who um, just are here in this, in, this, in this space and watching and engaged because, um, you know, we're doing a series called Glow, and we kicked it off last week. And this is an old new series because we've talked about it uh, for the last several, several years. And this is, a, this is a series that we really connect our mission to, and we really connect this idea of, like, living beyond ourselves and so it's a very important conversation, and we always link. We always link uh, uh, like an offering to it. We link a mission to it. And so this year, uh, you know, like yeah, last week I mentioned, uh, we kicked it off, and it was a rebuild offering to do three things. It was uh, to, number one, to fund our entire like mission uh, plans for next year. It was also to hire youth and kids, uh, staff people. And then also end the year in the, in the block uh, because of our budget. Because the truth is, with COVID, things have changed. Things have got expensive. It's, you know, things you just don't realize. And man, and so I I'm just want to just say, uh, last week, some of you guys just started already giving to the Rebuild offering. So thank you for those of you, who, whoever you are. Love you. Thank you. Can you give them a hand, even if it's you? Thank you. We're going to be carrying this throughout the holidays, and some people are going to do their end of year giving uh, to that as well. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. The goal is seventy grand, and we can't. It's a significant number, but we can do this together. We can't do it. With, uh, we can't do it alone. We can do it together. And so, thank you for that. Hey, I want to jump in, and I want to talk about something that I think is really relevant to all of our lives because Thanksgiving is coming, and one thing happens in Thanksgiving for most 
most of us, if not all of us, because, you know, sometimes situations uh, take place, uh, most of us will see people we have not seen in a while, right? And so I know you're looking forward to some things, but you're also trying to avoid some people this Thanksgiving. Anybody? Can I get an amen, right? We're all, all always, yeah, there's always that. There's always that, right? I've got family. We're all to getting, getting together on Myrtle Beach, people. It's called the Vegas of the South, I hear. Did you know that? Yes, we're getting together in Myrtle Beach. I don't know. Anyways, so, um, but uh, not that I'm not looking forward to um, hanging out with family, but yes, there are conversations I'm hoping to avoid. There are people I'm hoping to just, hey, 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 hi, and then keep on going and eat some other food, like, or something, or wine. I mean, maybe, you know, depending on how the conversation goes. But yeah, it's tough, right? And so I think, I think God wants us all to lean in because the topic, uh, the story, the, the life that Jesus w- illustrates for us to live uh, in the story that we're going to get to uh, is, is going to speak into, uh, I think, uh, Thursday. It's going to speak into this dynamic of broken relationships, maybe even unresolved issues in, when it comes to families, uh, this idea of, of us like really walking in and being brave enough to really um, maybe uh, reconcile in a sense. But let's not go too fast here this morning. Let's jump into our passage of Scripture. Our passage of Scripture for the entire series is Matthew 5.14. Let me read it to you. In fact, let's read part of it together. Let's read the first part. It says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Okay, so what happened here is I just started reading and no one read, right? Did that happen? It's just not in my mind, right? So we're just going to read that sentence, just that sentence. Okay, once again, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. All right, so this confession uh, is something that we have to embrace because Jesus says that you and I are the light of the world. Now, last week, I talked about the idea that he keeps on going, right? He says, he says no one lights a kitten lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, he gets super practical here. And then he says, in the same way, let your good works shine out uh, for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. You see, in this passage of Scripture, Jesus is connecting the fact that if you and I are going to be light, then number one, we have to realize that we are a collective. It's not just you. When he says you, he means us. So there is a power to when we, in unison, embrace this truth and then embrace the idea that we have to do good. And when we, in the, when the world, sees us do good, they, it points to Jesus. It points to who we represent. And so, yes, uh, this idea of uh, having a relationship with God is not connected to merit. It's not connected to um, uh, how religious you are. You can have a personal relationship with God. You can have an uh, intimate time with the Holy Spirit. He can speak to you. There's an open heaven for you and I to have a relationship with the God of the universe. But if we're going to, in fact, allow people to see the God in the, of the universe inside of us and through us, then you and I have to do good works. We have to do good things. We have to represent him because if we claim to believe in him, we have to act like him. We have to do it. And so I love the fact that we've been talking about this series, and I know that this church, Mosaic, you're committed to that. You're committed to that. You're committed to doing good. 
Recently, I was speaking at another church, and uh, this church is struggling, and I was there to kind of help, uh, just help the church. And, and um, so after the service, I'd, uh, I was talking to some people, and this guy comes up to me, and this happens here and there. Uh, he comes up to me, and he goes, hey, a fascinating story, because I shared my story. It's a great talk, but I don't believe any of it. <laughs> that was his opening line. And I was like, uh, and you are? I, and that's what I do. I always do that. When they, people say statements like this, like, because people have said, I don't believe anything you said. I go, well, and my name is Naeem. Who are you? And like, let, let's just say hello first, okay? Then you can tell me why you don't like me. And I've literally had people say, first statement is, I don't like you. I'm like, okay, okay. Do you still like me? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. So, so this person starts talking, and he goes, yeah, I don't believe it. I said, oh, okay. I said, what part do you don't believe? He said, like, the whole, the whole thing about uh, Jesus, the whole thing about the Christianity. He, says, I, I, I'm a, I'm a he said, I'm a confirmed agnostic. And I said, oh, okay. I said, what is a confirmed agnostic? I mean, I've heard of, like, I said, I said, and then I said do you have a confirmation ceremony that you guys go through? <laughs> I was just like, like listen, I'm just going to have fun here. Okay, and he goes, uh, no, 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 I'm just convinced that I'm agnostic. I said, oh, okay, cool, oh, okay, great, okay. And I said, why? He said the whole Christian ego thing. He said the message of Jesus and the message of Christianity, it seems to be all about ego. It's all about them. It's all about, like, come get whatever you want to get from Jesus and, and, and uh, make your life better and live your best life. And uh, it's all self-centered. Like the whole idea of even heaven is just self-centered. It's the idea that Christians cannot stand that there is maybe nothing out there. And he was, so, he was really fascinating. I said, okay, tell me more about this. He said, yeah. I said, he said, you know, why do we think that we actually deserve something good? I said, wow. Wow. You have been hurt a lot in your life. And I, I didn't say that to him. And uh, then we started talking a little bit more, and he started getting in my, he started to say some other things that just trying to get me to react. He's like, okay, so tell me about your book. I told him about the book. And he goes, is it in the library? <laughs> See, as an author, you don't want someone to say, is your book in the library? You know what that means? Is I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to spend the 10 bucks and get it. And I said, uh, uh, this is, uh, where was I? Uh, this was like, I don't even know, Virginia or something, or Ohio. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know the libraries here. I don't, Maybe. It's, it's in my library, you know, back home. Don't get any ideas, okay? Uh, and he said, oh, okay, okay. I said, but, you know, and uh, he said, all right, well, I'll just, I'll buy it, and then I'll donate it to the library. I was like, you, I said, are you going to read it? He goes, like, I don't think so. I was like, I don't even know what this conversation is all about here right now. But what I did realize, um, moving, uh, what I did learn from that uh, interaction was that so much of the world believes that we are self-centered, that the message of Jesus is self-centered, and it is a problem. And that's why, you know, at Mosaic, we want to reclaim the message and the movement of Jesus, because right there, we have to realize that the message of Jesus is not calling us to live an amazing world, an amazing life. It's, in fact, calling us to create a better world. And so, if we don't understand that, then the message of Jesus or the Christian ego will continually lead the conversation. And so we've seen this in politics, we've seen this in business, in our culture even, when Christians who claim to be Jesus followers act badly or they begin to bully other people in Jesus' name. And it doesn't matter what side you're on, 
where you begin bullying other people, when it's all about your ego and your thing and your life and your comfort and your thing, man, the message of Jesus gets in the sidelines and then you have confirmed agnostics all over the place. And so I'm just, again, grateful that this series is, is something that we've been doing for the past five or six years. I should probably figure out if it's five or six, uh, but we've been doing this because it reminds me again and again and again that this life is not about just me, and this world is not just about our world. It's, it's the whole world, and we have a responsibility to reflect it. I mean, I'll tell you what, man, I don't know if you caught worship uh, live stream, but here during worship, I told Sean, I was like, man, those, that worship set messed me up, messed me up, that we are called, we are anointed, we're filled with his power in his, and his name to not just live our best life. No, to make this world a better place. And so I, I just want to, I just want to say that and uh, let's jump in because last week I talked about how if, if being, what does it mean to be the light of the world? Well, the, the last week was uh, your life needs to be uh, basically lived with a sense that I'm here to help. And so that's why we talked about uh, turning someone's water into wine, because I talked about that story. Well, today it's going to be about um, uh, you're here, you're here to heal. Being a light of the world, being a light in the world, being a light in your family is that you and I uh, live our lives where we just say, where people understand that we are people who are here to heal. That we're not just helpers, but we're also healers. So let's jump in and we'll see this, because... Jesus' stories always illustrate the kind of life that God's calling us to live. Um, so let's jump in. It's Luke chapter 8, if you got that. We'll put this uh, uh, verses on, on the screen for you as well. So this story is pretty, pretty fascinating. You might have heard this, but let's jump in. It's verse 26. It says, Jesus and his followers sailed across the lake from Galilee to the area of the Gerson people. Now, Garrison people, modern day right now, would be Jordan, okay, in the Middle East. So, the, so that kind of region there. And it was not a particular city, in a sense, but it was more of a region. So verse 27 keeps on going. It says, when Jesus got out of the land, a man from the tomb, from, from the, sorry, the town, who had, what's, the, what's that word? Had what? Demons inside him came to Jesus. For a long time, he had worn no clothing, no clothes, and had lived in burial caves, not in a what? Not in a house. I just want you to know that. So what, what was happening here is this guy used to have a particular kind of life. He no longer has this kind of life. He used to have clothes, but he has no clothes now. He used to have a house, and, but he has no house now. And for not some time, but for a what? Long time, he's been in a particular place. And there are apparently demons inside of him, which means this. If he had demons, and if he had some even mental um, um, difficulty, if he had some mental illness even, we don't quite know this. I mean, there is obviously uh, demons. Those are real uh, beings. But we just don't know and don't have the context to this because we weren't there. But we do know this, is that he lived uh, in burial caves. So he lived where people were buried, which means he was around death all the time which also means in something very particular that religious people of the time, the rabbis, were not allowed to touch dead things, which is so interesting because that's what Jesus did all day long. He was like the anti-rabbi. 
He's like the rabbi who never is, is never acting like one. Because they were, they were, the dead were impure. And so you, you have a guy who, who religious people don't want to be around. But then you also have a guy who has been kind of cooped up in a particular place and no one around with him. So the verse keeps on, the passage keeps on going. It says, when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell before him. He said with a loud voice, what do you want from me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Which is fascinating that this guy who's demon possessed knows who Jesus is. Everybody else is like, we don't know. Maybe Maybe he's the son of God, maybe he's not. But the demon knows him. See, you know what's interesting about that is, first of all, like, you can be, like, you can, like, you can, like, the, the, the you can have, like, you, you, what am I trying to say? You're like, that's a demon. No, calm down. <laughs> calm down. No, you can be so filled with, like, um, demonic things. You can be so filled with something other than God. Like, you could be in a moment, you're like, you know what? Everything inside of me is just the worst. And then yet you can recognize God when he shows up. There's a little bit of hope there, just so you know. So, so he comes and he begs him, right? He says, he begs him, he says, um, I beg you, said, um, I beg you, don't torture me. He said, with, he said this because Jesus was commanding the evil spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had taken hold of him. Though he had been kept under guard and chained hand and foot, he had broken his chains and had been forced by the demon out into a what? A lonely place. A lonely place. Again, this is intentional why the writer is writing that and why, why, why this is happening. And Jesus asked him, Verse 30, he said, Jesus asked him, what? What is your what? What is your name? You guys heard the story, right? Some, some of uh, Hollywood takes the story on, right? And, it, and he answered what? Legion. Now, what, this is, and be, it says, because there were many demons uh, there in him. Now, what's fascinating about this is that Jesus is doing something that historically Jewish people who were sorcerers used to do. So when they would like... Uh, remove a demon or interact with a demon, the first thing they would do is ask its name. To, and it was a sense of, I have now authority over you if you give me your name. It's strange. Because it's strange is because why is Jesus doing this? He's obviously uh, powerful than that. Why is he, he, why is he, like, what, because I think people want to, People leaning in, they're like, okay, okay, is he the son of God or is he a sorcerer? What, what? Because he just did the exact same thing that my cousin, who I don't talk to, does. Because he's weird. Yeah, I, I don't. But so why, why is he doing this? And then what, is the, what does the demon say? What is his name? Which is not a name. Which is not a name. So it's basically a legion, like a, a Roman legion would have about 6,000 people uh, uh, in that, in that uh, legion. So he, basically the demon, is saying, I'm not giving you my name, and I'm going to intimidate you because we're 6,000. So this is, this is interesting because people are watching all of this. Now again, again, friends, the stories in the scriptures are not for us to just read, but for us to just jump in and like live in them and learn from them and go, okay, what is happening? Find yourself in the crowd in the story. You hear this, you're like, oh, he, what's happening? What's, what's happening? 
And, and, and I, I can't even explain to you um, because I don't even know why Jesus did some of the things he did. So we do know that he does not give him his name. So the demon is saying, you have no authority over me. But then he also says, don't torture me. So there is something supernatural going on, something happening in the, the other dimension that we don't exist in, but it's, it is in fact happening. So let's keep on going. The demon begged Jesus not to send them into eternal dar- excuse me, darkness. The, so this eternal darkness is, um, is, is, a throw, is a kind of a point to uh, the book of Revelation. It's, the, it's called the dark abyss, uh, where it talks about how this is where demons are. And so it's like this is eternal thing. And so the demons are basically saying, don't send us there right now. Which again, I mean, this cannot be a sermon on demonology. I don't even know what's going on here. Because what, what, what does this have to do with Thanksgiving? Some of you guys are like, oh, I know a lot of demons. I'm going to see a lot of demons. I, she's got so many. So many. So we're going we're gonna to get there. We're going to get there. By the way, I'm not going to call your mom a demon. Okay. You do that. Okay, anyways, okay. All right. So the demon begged Jesus not to send him into eternal darkness. What happens then? A large herd of pigs were feeding on a hill, and the demons begged Jesus to allow them to go into the pigs. So Jesus did what? Why? What is happening here? This messes with my theology. You know why? Jesus is merciful to demons. What? Think about it. What? And these poor little piggies, what happened to them? Yeah! So the the demon came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd ran down the hill into the lake and was what? Drowned. Like, what is going on? And suppose, and you're the, say, you're the herdsman, right? You're the person who's like, where'd my piggies go? (laughs) What? They can't swim? What, what just happened? So what happens here? It says exactly that. When the herdmen saw what had happened, they ran away told, and told this, to, uh, told this in the town and the countryside. Like they told everybody. I mean, how do they do this so fast? I mean, text everybody? Well, how does that happen? I don't know. Okay? And then when people went to see what happened, they came to Jesus. They found the man sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind because demons were gone. But they were frightened. The people who saw uh, this uh, happened, told others how Jesus had made this man well. And all the people of the Garrison country asked Jesus to what? To leave, because they were all very afraid. It's, it's, it's so fascinating. Number one, uh, this has taken some time. I mean, they tell the town, they tend to tell the countryside what has happened during that time. Obviously, we got some clothes for the guy, for, the, for my bro, Right? Okay, so he's, he's now, he's like clothed. He's been sitting with Jesus for a while. They're talking about all kinds of things. We don't know exactly what, but time has passed. This is not like in a minute. No, no, no. This has taken a part of the day. It's taken a part of the day. People show up. It's a big, uh, it's a big to-do. There's a scene that's created. And now there's a lot of conversations, I just want you to know, happening. And I'm going to tell you that there is for sure a lot of conversations ha- that's happening between the demon guy and Jesus, which we don't have, um, uh, we don't have access to. 
So we do know this is when all these men and all these women start talking, they realize that they are actually afraid. And why are they afraid? Because there was also a rumor back in the day that because of the amount of things that Jesus would do with demons, as in kick them out, and there was all kind of encounters, they believed he was a chief demon. They believed he was a, was a warlock or something like that. And so this is like getting really, really confusing. And so what happens? So then Jesus does this. So Jesus got into the boat and went back to Galilee. The man who Jesus had healed begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying this. And this is probably the most important part, at least that I want to bring out. He says to him, what? Help me out. Three words. Go back home. Go back home. Go back home. And then he says, and, and then and tell, and tell people how much God has done for you. And so the man went all over town telling how much Jesus had done for him. There's so many things in this story, right? It's so complicated. But I think in light of what we've been talking about, our, um, our, our, our research, our discovery in trying to figure out what does it mean to be the light of the world, understanding that we're here to heal, I think has a lot to do with the phrase, go back home. Because I tell you what, for some of us, it is the most hardest thing to do, to go back home. Especially when you have been changed by Jesus. Especially when you were someone and you're not that person anymore. Because to them, you're still that person. You see, you can't, you can't deny that this guy didn't have a family. You can't deny that at one point he was just another guy. We don't know if he was married or not. But just, just think about his life for just a minute. At what point did his mental illness turn into demonic oppression, into other things that got so complicated where he began to harm himself and harm other people? What if he had some kids? And you go, hey, you can't, you can't get around dad anymore. Where's dad going? We, we got to get him out of here. We got to get him out of here. So that he gets moved to place to place. They don't know what to do. There's not um, institutions set up back in the day. What do they do? They just leave him. They, 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 they put him in prison because that's the only thing they could do. So they put him in prison because he's hurting people. And now dad's in prison. What crime did he do? Don't know. Don't know. He just, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Can we see dad? I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure. And you know that I know. We have real life people who've struggled and struggled. And at one point you go, I don't want you to see them like this. And so here's a guy who, who has been tormented and tormented and tormented and goes, comes out of prison in a sense, and they don't even know what to do, so he just runs wild, and now he hangs out uh, in cemeteries. Cemeteries where it didn't look pretty like our cemeteries did. No, these were just caves. And so he was a man who was in living and out of caves. And other uh, passages of the same, other gospels telling the same story, that they would, he would make sounds at night. It was, it was just he was turning into a beast. Imagine being related to him. Imagine going, oh my gosh. Imagine also the hurt now that you um, represent to that family. But that's just one side, isn't it? The other side is, is him, is this guy. 
in the middle of his demonic oppression, in the middle of his mental illness, in the middle of the things that he was doing to other people and with other people, he still have had a soul. He still have had a spirit. He still saw other people's reactions to him. He saw the hurt and the pain, the fear in other people's eyes. He might have even seen the terror in his wife's eyes. He might have seen the, just the horror in his kids' eyes. He might have seen a lot of things. And then he might have done a lot of things. See, he did do a lot of things because he begged Jesus, begged him, can I please just go with you? Because here's what I don't want to do. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I don't want to go home. I just don't want to go home. Please just, whatever it takes, please, 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 I just don't want to go home. And here, Jesus, who used to heal people, right, um, and then and interact with them, and his line for the disciples were like, hey, come what? Follow me. Come, 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 come. Not you. Come, come, come not you. Jesus would tell people, hey, I've healed you. You're, 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 you can see now. Here's what I want you to do. Don't tell anybody. He'd say that. And they would never listen, by the way. Okay? They would tell. But this guy, he says, I don't want you to come with me. I want you to go back home, and I want you to go tell. I want you to do this. See, what Jesus was saying to him right there is, he's like, hey, listen, I, I know what you've just experienced. I know the freedom. I know the life that's gone back into you. I, I, I get that. I know that the healing that has taken place in your heart that right now is profound. It's so profound. But uh, I want to heal. Uh, I want to do a greater healing through you than I have done for you. I want to use you to heal more people in a greater way than I have healed you. Your life needs to be a life that is not just lived as a person who is healed. Your life needs to be a life now lived as a person who is a healer. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to start with going back home. There's so many people there's so many relationships you have to heal. You have to go and you have to tell them. You have to tell, you have to tell them. And that is going to lead into a mission and a ministry of this idea of reconciliation. You have to go back and reconcile all these relationships. Now, friends, reconciliation is not restoration. Reconciliation is not restoration. Reconciliation is just we're reconciled. Because to some of you, you know this, you need to reconcile with someone and they've passed away. But you have to reconcile with them. You gotta let them go. You gotta, you gotta forgive them. You could never restore that relationship back. They're not here. But you have to let go. That there's so much work that he had to go back and do. There's so much, much light that he needed to bring to dark relationships. There's so much healing that God wanted to do through him bigger than what he did to him. Man, could you imagine 
Could you imagine him actually thinking for a minute the amount of the amount of demons that were in me, the amount of things that I was like consumed with? Can I do a bigger healing? Can God use me to reach more than thousands? And that's, friends, exactly what he did. You see, historians say that that region, he was called the garrison, the garrison demoniac. He was then well known as the guy who told the whole region about this. And in fact, some say that it was 10 cities with thousands of people. And so what he was filled with, he took that and he turned it to reach thousands of people with a message of healing. See, the life that we're called to live, like I told you, is not a life that God that says, hey, God has healed me. No, God has made me a healer. You and I, if we're going to be the light of the world, if we're going to change not just this, our home, not just our community, our world, then we have to know, be known for people who always go back home and reconcile. We always go back home and we bring healing to a wound that is so deep and so tough. We are the ones that said this is a conversation that none of us want to have. We don't want to have this. But I can't tell you how much God has healed me. So I'm going to go back and make the first step. And you might go, Naeem, I've tried. I've tried to do this. I've tried to do this. I get it, and that's all you can do is try, because I'm pretty sure some people, some people were like, no, no, you're always going to be that guy. You're always going to be this. I cannot see you in a different light. What you did to me, I know you were demon-possessed. I know you were this. I know you had that kind of values in life. I know you were upset. I know you were going through something. I know, but you, what you said, I can never unhear, and that's okay but you can still reconcile. What do you mean, Naeem? Well, you can still say, I'm just, I take responsibility of it, and I'm truly sorry. And you've done your part. You've reconciled. You've done your part. Are you going to be best friends again? Probably not. Are you going to restore the relationship? No. But how many of us have relationships? How many of us have relationships right now, friends, that, that, um, that are fractured in a way because you used to be text buddies and you have not texted them in six months. You used to talk all the time and you don't anymore. How many of us, because of the political situation, because of the cultural things that have happened in our society, in, our, in, in, in the U.S., because of COVID, because of mass and vaccinations and all of the things, the, the, because of the amount of like emotional act, uh, uh, electricity that's been going through our society. It's like we're all of a sudden, we're like, there's so much electricity going through. We're like short-circuiting. People are doing some crazy things. You and I are reacting in crazy things. We're all going through this tra trauma together. We're all going through trauma together, by the way. Did you know that? Everybody, you're, you're dealing, like, and if you go, I'm good, okay, okay, okay. But the amount of anxiety right now that's around, that, that's 
that is in the world, the amount of grief and the amount of pain, the amount of loss, friends, that this world is dealing with, that you're dealing with, your family's dealing with, is unprecedented. I mean, it's like it's never happened before. So uh, are you going to say some weird stuff? Yeah. Are you going to feel some weird stuff? Yes. Are people going to break off relationships and leave relationships? Yes. Are they going to regret them in a year? Yeah. Yeah. There are people who, like, I, I, I stopped talking, I got mad about something, I got, and I said, I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. And now you're like, what was I doing? What was I doing? What was I doing? And your restoration is, you got to go back and go, hey, I was an idiot. I was overreacting. I was, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I cannot believe that I did this. So there's a family member, um, I'm not going to mention who it is, uh, because i got to go see him. <laughs> uh, so, so something happened, and things were said, and I left uh, a conversation, and I was like, in my head, I was like, I'm never coming back to this house. Have you ever had that? Yes, right? I'm like, I'm never coming back to this house. Now, I am not that guy, which my wife actually reminded me. She was like, you don't ever think like that. I'm like, you know what? I'm going through trauma. You know what? I'm going through all kinds. Because I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going. She's like, why? You're, you're having a very serious reaction to this. I'm like, yes. Give me some chips. Like, you know, like, like I, I, and I couldn't believe it. To the point, though, that this person had called me, and I was ignoring their calls. Has anyone else done that? Please tell me you've done that. Right? Thank you. It's group therapy here. Okay, need affirmation. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it, I'm not doing it. And then some other things happened, and there was a death in our family and all that, and I just got, it just got worse for me. My emotions got just worse. And I just had a moment, I was like, and, and you know, when you get to a point where you're like so like, I don't want to talk to this person, I don't want to forgive this person, what you also stop doing is you stop talking to God about it. Because that, that's it. Like, you know, I would always be reminded, reminded of this and like, I'm not, I'm not talking to you about this. I'm not doing it. Let's talk about something else. No, no, no. Let's talk about this. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And, I, and then I got reminded of this. See, my family, so we grew up Middle Eastern, a Pakistani family, and uh, very, you know, we are emotional. I, I don't want to say like we're all emotional people, but we, we are we're just loud, and we're emotional, and we're all whatever, okay? And so when we offend each other, it's serious. So uh, I have history of, like, my mom's um, sisters and her brothers and cousins, they haven't talked in 20 years because of one argument. And I've always been bothered by it. Like, even now, I'm like, and I, I talked to my mom, and this recently something happened with, with a cousin. This doesn't talk for six years. And I, be, and I said, hey, did you, did you call him? He said, I've tried. Is he picking up? Nope. He refuses to talk to me. He refuses to talk to me. There's so many people in my family that refuse to talk to each other. And when I got reminded of that, I just felt God say, you're going to do the same thing, aren't you? Or are you going to do the same thing? And I said, no. I am not taking my generational demons, curses, whatever, into my family. I am not doing that. 
And so the only way to do that is to, for me to humble myself, to get over myself, and make the call. I was like, this is what hangs in the balance. If I do things like this, and I know I don't want to be superstitious, but it trickles down to generations. Because they did it. Their family did it. They were, this was a learned behavior. Someone messes with you. Someone hurts you. You stop talking to them. And I said, I'm not, I'm not passing that down on my kids. So I made the call. I was like, hey, was it a good call? It was, it was a lot of me just faking it till I made it. Yes, it was. But I did it. I did it. I'm like, okay, I'm good. I'm not all good, but I'm, I did it. I did it. It's, it's a process, people. It's a process. And so I'm going to go, and I'm going to interact on Thursday, and I'm going to make it happen. Because, friends, so much hangs in the balance. So much hangs in the balance of your broken and fractured relationships. So I want to pray for us because some of you are scared to death to go back home. And you might go, there's not much of a home left to go back to. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But what does it look like for you to go back home? What does it look like for you to heal a relationship? Could God be calling you to heal a relationship? Could God be asking you, hey, there is a bigger healing that I want to do through you than to you? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you, God, for your love for us. God, thank you for the fact that we are in this space. God, God, not just in this building, but even online. Uh, we are in this place, God, where we are um, convinced, in a sense, or at least prompted to think about all the broken relationships in our lives. God, I know that for some of us, this is a tough, tough reality to kind of even think about. For some of us, God, this conversation is one that we don't want to have because there's so much even abuse that's gone around this particular situation. But God, there are sisters who need to talk again. God, there are brothers that need to hug again. God, there are siblings, there are, there are family members, there are, there are moms and dads, God. There are grandpas that, that, need, that need their grandkids in their lives. God, there are friends who, who've changed because they don't have this friendship anymore. God, there are people who um, are really broken. And they find themselves just in a very lonely place, in, in kind of like a burial caves, in a sense. They find themselves in darkness. And Father, I pray that we would be like Jesus, that we would go and rescue them. We would go and heal. Not just physically, not just mentally, God, but most importantly, relationally. Because our lives are all about relationship. And so God, give us the power to reconcile. And God, give us a miracle of restoration if that's possible. But God, give us the power 
give us the courage to go back home. God, we love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Mosaic Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more audio and video content, visit us at mosaicchurch.tv.